He wanted to incorporate hymn titles to make the message. So he was going to put out a word and then see if people could match that word or concept with a song title. So he started out with the idea of loneliness. And somebody said, what a friend we have in Jesus. And then they sang the song. You know, it's just kind of fun. So they went to the day. He said, how about uh, uh, church? He said, uh, the little church in the wildwood. I can't remember how the tune goes right singing it for him. <laughs> but then he said, how about grace? Amazing grace. And it was great. It was just building really well. And then he, then he decided he'd really throw a curve. He said, how about sex? Well, it was deadly quiet. Deadly quiet. After what seemed like a long time, a 82-year-old lady in the back kind of raised her hand and she began to sing, Precious Memories. <laughs> okay, that's about as deep as I go today now, all right? How many of you want to have a great Christian marriage? How many of you want to have a great Christian marriage? How many of you hope to have one one day, a great Christian marriage? God, God made marriage with a gift. It's a wonderful gift. And it makes the natural overflow of marriage even more wonderful. This gift that He gave us in the covenant of marriage. Two stories as I begin. Story number one. Boy meets girl. Ask girl out. She accepts. They hang out together. They go places together. They go to church. They grow in their appreciation for each other. Boy really likes girl. Boy asks dad if he can marry girl. Dad secretly is excited about that because he likes the boy too. But he doesn't want it to show. Boy gives girl ring. She accepts. She squeals. Mom starts to plan a wedding and spends much more than dad intended. Boy and girl marry. And on their honeymoon, they enjoy that gift that God gives them in the context and confines of marriage. And God looks at that and says, it's very, very good. Story number two. Boy gets ready to go out on the town. And I mean, he dresses up really nice without spots on his coat. He dresses really nice. And he puts on extra cologne. He heads out to the bar with the boys. Drinks some beers. Gets drunk. Looks across the bar. And all the girls are H-O-T hot. Boy takes or talks to girl and... Ask her to dance. Music changes. They begin to slow dance. They get real close. Girl asks boy if he wants to come back to her place. Boy says, sure. By the way, what's your name? Boy and girl exchange names. Boy goes to girl's place. Girl gets pregnant. She panics. Girl considers abortion. She doesn't have the abortion, so the boy decides to do the right thing as well. He moves in with the girl in hopes that things will work out. Things don't work out. God is not pleased. What we're going to find 
is that the world has a way of doing things that's accepted by most people. God has a way of doing things that seems very radical, but God's order leads to God's blessing. If you want the results of trust, intimacy, security, a spiritual relationship, it's much easier to get those things if you do them in the order that God intended. If you do things the way most of the world does them, and premarital sex is one of those things, then it's much easier to end up like the rest of the world with fear, guilt, doubt, insecurity, and even divorce. And that's not what really God wants. So what we are going to do today is look at God's Word. And God's Word will teach us that sex is for marriage. The church as a whole has done an inadequate job in communicating what sex is really meant for. Parents, if you have children that are in the seventh grade and up, I have some DVDs that I would love to let you see. There are speeches by a lady named Pam Stencil. S-T-N-Z-E-L. I will loan them to you for you to watch with your children at home. And I'm telling you, she is straight up, straight in your face about all that there is to know about this. She used to uh, run a clinic in the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and she said she got really tired of young people coming in pregnant and telling her, I just didn't know. And in her video, she says, you won't leave today's speech without knowing. So parents, if you want to borrow those, I'll loan them to you. I just need them back because to cycle them through for other folks. The message from God is that sex is not bad, but to wait Wait, wait, and why? And why we should wait. It's not enough to tell you to wait. You need to know why we need to wait. And the Bible gives us three specific reasons why we should wait to have sex until we're married. Number one, because I trust God. Because I trust God. And the passages we read earlier... Bear reading again. As we start First Thessalonians uh, 4, it says, It is what? God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should avoid what? Sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Because it's God's will, I am going to wait and do things in the right order. Now the argument is, what's well, my body? I can do whatever I want. Well, if it feels good, I can do it. Wow, everybody's doing it. I mean, after all, preacher, you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it first. I mean, after all, we love each other. Even if you disagree with the Bible... Look at the practical implications of sex before marriage and you need to let them sink in. For a large 
portion of people today, they want to pretend to be married. I'm going to put some of my clothes at your place, and you put some of your clothes at, at my place, and we're just going to kind of go through this, and I'm going to give you myself, and you give me yourself, and you know, and if it don't work out, well, well then we'll practice divorce. And you do this with a multiple number of people, and then you finally get married. And when it doesn't work out, you simply say, well, then I'm just going to take my stuff and go home. You see, for years we have essentially been training for that process and we pretend to be committed. But when things get tough, we tend to go our separate ways. You don't know somebody till you live with them. But you don't jump in ahead of God. In my counseling with people, I will tell them, I say, if you're living together and sleeping together now, stop until the day you're married. And let God restore what's already gone. In other words, let's get the cart back behind the horse. And I've only had one person in all my years of working in ministry and doing those counseling sessions who refused to do that. And it was a daughter of a preacher. She refused. The boy was ready. She refused. She said, you will not tell me what to do. I said, you're exactly right. I won't. But you won't tell me to do your wedding either. Bye. Because someday I'll have to stand before God and justify that. <laughs> to do things out of order is very, very risky. And what I'm going to give you are five risks that everyone who gets involved this way and gets things out of order, we'll have to acknowledge as a reality. Let's talk about the first one. STDs. STDs. You are rolling dice. And it's very dangerous out there. Very dangerous. Number two. Pregnancy. Oop, didn't plan for that. I don't have a contingency plan for that one. Or do I? Hmm. Choices, 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 choices. It's been said that if a woman gets pregnant and she chooses, and, and, and she, it's her right to choose at that point, correct? I would suggest to you that she already made her choice. Because there's a risk. Third, hurting people. Ever been with people? And, you know, when you break up, it hurts, doesn't it? Hurts if they break up with you, and hurts if you break up with them. George Corder, guy I went to school with at Dallas. We were, you know, you always fall in love at college, right? <laughs> well, George had a girlfriend that broke up with him, and George was a songwriter. And somehow songs just, they just kind of capture your, your feelings, don't they? So George was sitting in the stairwell at college, uh, where Mark is now. George was sitting in there, and I, and I heard him playing the guitar, and I thought, hey, man, this will be great. I bet he's writing a song. So I went down and just kind of leaned in and listened. And the only part of the song I remember is the, is the part that said, You stomped on my heart. You smushed that sucker flat. You done sort of jumped on my aorta. That's all I remember the song. But, well, that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Because it hurts. It just hurts. The fourth one. A loss of God's blessing. 
Because, folks, God does not bless sin. He doesn't bless sin. And then the last one, risk. And, and there's probably more. You can, these are just five that I've come up with. It's future pain. That difficulty of explaining to your children that comparison game that goes on. Is she, is he, am I, am I? She may come up and say, hey, I've waited my whole life for someone who's sexually pure. How about you? Well, yeah, except for those other eight people that... (laughs) Yeah, painful, painful. We need to understand and acknowledge that when we are outside of God's plan, there are risks. On the flip side, there are some incredible benefits doing things God's way. And I want you to know right now, I don't judge anybody. I never have, I never will. Part of the difficulty of being a pastor, a long-term pastor in a church for as long as I've been, is I kind of know what you're doing, right? Because you come tell me. I love what Sue Watson said years ago. She told James, I was visiting at their house one day, and she said, James, if Harold ever starts, starts talking, we're going to have to kill him because he knows way too much. <laughs> so my lips are sealed. You could pry it out of me. If you hold a Big Mac, I might, you know, spill the beans. But, but I don't judge anybody. Because the phrase, but for the grace of God, so go I. It's everybody in this room, starting with your pastor. But what are some benefits? Let me give you three real quick. Number one is peace. Peace. God will give you that peace because you don't have any guilt attached. Any sense that we are doing something not normal, you see. Second, security. When you are faithful to God and honor Him with your body, God blesses you with a security and trust in your relationship and you don't have to fear the unfaithfulness of the other. Third is life story. God will give you a life story to share with your children and they can share it with their children and it's an honor and privilege that you can give them the confidence that they too will be able to go into a relationship, remain sexually pure, and that is that it's possible in today's society to do that and to honor God. You can do that. We're going to be faithful because we trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with what? And lean not on what? And in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Don't listen to the greatest commentator or read the greatest magazine or the the most popular story. Lean on God. I tell young people when I speak to them in conferences or over the years when I speak to them in conferences and we would talk about these types of things, I would say the best thing you can do, girls is carry a Bible with you when you go out on your date. And put the Bible between you and your date. Set it on the seat. Because He's going to want you to slide up there. You just put that Bible right there. Because it's a little more difficult for Him to climb over your, your four brothers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
boy's driving down the road and he's got his arm it's in the summertime and he's got his windows down and got his arm around the girl and driving one hand and the highway patrol pulls up and he looks over and kind of yells out at him and says, hey, shouldn't you use both hands? He says, well, man, i got to drive with one. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I, I, I'm trying to lighten us here a little bit. <laughs> Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and He will make your path straight. So let me ask you this question. How is it that you can trust God for your salvation, but not trust His plan for your future spouse? We are going to wait first because we trust God, and then secondly, because I respect myself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul really captures it. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with what? Your body. I want you to know that you are special to God. God loves you so much. That He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for every sin in your life. For every mistake that you've made. For every time you've stubbed your toe. For every time you've wanted to do the right thing and you just didn't follow through and do it. Jesus came and He died for that because God loves you that much. And we should honor Him and say that this body is set aside for you, God. I'm not giving in, not giving in to peer pressure, not going to do something just because everybody else is doing it. And God would not have me to do that, so I won't do it. But let's be honest, it's uh, tough out there, isn't it? I talk to these young people. I watch them interact. I watch adults interact. These kids are pups compared to what I see adults do. Oof. When a guy likes a girl, he starts to put on more cologne. Why is it cologne all of a sudden? Underarm deodorant. I mean, and you can smell them a block away. Oh, just a little strong today. <laughs> no problem. And you know they're in love. It's kind of like a skunk thing, you know. You just put out that odor, right? Not only do that, but they start opening car doors or opening doors and I mean, they're trying to make a good impression, right? They buy presents. Then they get cards. <laughs> start to get close. Songs on the radio start to make sense. Barry Manilow. Uh-oh. <laughs> I hit home there, didn't we? You start floating around... Because you know that ultimately there's going to be, hmm. And at that point, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice that will greatly affect your future together. And most people today, they won't buy into what I'm teaching you this morning. If you want to take a step up and you want to honor God, then do it with all 
of your faithfulness. But I want to give you some things to avoid. Runway modeling. Now, this is mainly for the ladies. Men don't runway model. But ladies know how. They'll come to church with that Bible, and they'll have just that swagger. Clothing might be just, you know. Because men are visually, I mean, and the women go around, I love Jesus, do you? Uh, 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 yeah. Men are visually oriented. Now, it's my responsibility as a man to control what I think and what I look at. That's why the Bible says if your right eye offends you, you cover it up. Don't cover your left eye, just cover it up. But, ladies, you can help men by the way you dress and by the way you carry yourself. And young people will say, well, yeah, I may not. And even women, I mean, adult women say, well, man, that's not cool to dress that way. Well, sometimes being a follower of Jesus means you're going to be out of the cool side of things because you're going to do things the right way and the way God would want you to do them. Secondly, and this is just a strip poker. You might say, why, preacher? Just talk to some of these teenagers and see what they're doing at some of these parties. They've done a study. And it's been discovered that it's amazingly easier to remain sexually pure if you keep your clothes on. They have determined that through studies. And be very careful when you say, well, it just happened. Yeah, so did my buffet line just happen. I love the Clump movie, Clump Family. I love the one where they go into the buffet. <laughs> oh, we're the Clump families and we're hungry. <clears throat> and one of them grabs the bucket out of the buffet line, starts scraping the whole thing on his tray. Yeah, <clears throat> what just happened? Right. How about playing house? <clears throat> what a dangerous time parents provide when they let mixed sleepovers, mixed sleepovers, boys and girls together at one house. Hmm. A couple of things. There could be a bad witness there. And secondly, you're putting yourself in an environment that is so very tempting. Well, preacher, we're just going to pray. <laughs> right. Technical virginity. Thank you, President Clinton. <clears throat> I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The Bible says men were not to look lustfully at another woman. In your outline, I changed this. So mark out what I put down there. And write this in. Long, passionate kissing. Long, passionate kissing. As a follower of Christ, in order to have something different, you have to have a different approach. Avoid that long, passionate kiss. Because the more you play around... Satan has a greater opportunity to influence. 
I also go on to tell those young people that if the Bible and climbing over the four brothers doesn't work, throw it open to Revelation chapter 20 and start reading about damnation. And use the word damnation really loud. You know, even spit a little bit. Damnation! You know, all that. If that doesn't work, stop the car, get out, call your dad, and he'll come get you. If you don't want your dad to come get you, call me, I'll come get you. We are waiting because we trust God. And we respect our bodies. And the Bible says in Romans 6.13, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. So we wait because we, number one, trust God. Number two, we respect our bodies. And number three, because I honor you, my future spouse. I honor you. Hebrews 13 says this, Marriage should be honored by all in the marriage bed kept how? How many of you are in this room or not married but hope to be married someday? Anybody? There we go. You know the interesting part about this is you can begin today making your life pure and holy for who God's going to bring you. You can prepare the way for the person that God has set aside for you and that you've not even met yet. You can begin to live your life in truth and scriptural integrity before you even meet that person. And then you'll be able to say, I was loving you before I even met you. Now, how can you do that? Well, let me five, give you five practical ways you can do that. Number one, state your standards up front. State them up front. Anybody who's in time management, personal management, they will tell you, write it down. Make a list. And stick to your list. Let them know up front that you don't fool around. Just let them know right up front. And if you don't do, I mean, if you do do that, then you're going to ward off those who are going to just want that in your life and their life and here they come. And if you hang around people that don't have that same standard, there could be a problem. Plus, it raises your own accountability for your life. State those standards and be accountable. Don't compromise. Secondly, become a student of godly relationships. Of godly relationships. I was engaged going into my senior year of college. And that broke off. Stomped on my heart. Smushed that sucker flat. Went home for the summer. You know, you know how kids are, parents, right? When they're just they're beat up and defeated and the world's gonna end today. Here <laughs> they come in. Ugh. And my mother gave me such a tongue lashing, I'll never forget it. I'm, I'm sure she had stuff pinned up in there for 18, 20 years that she was ready to tell me. Best advice I ever received. And what I began to do that summer is focus on my relationship with God. I recognized that I had let something get in its way. And so I began to refocus my life, my heart, my, my focus on God. And when I got back to school, God led me to the wife of 32 years that I'm married to now. Greatest thing that ever happened to me was, first of all, refocusing on the Lord. And secondly, him honoring that with 
the wife I have now. Become a student of godly relationships. Study it. I read one, one, one place where a guy said he set up a date night with God. That was an interesting concept. He set up a date night with God. He would sit on that night and he would just read stories about powerful relationships. They're all through the Bible. And read about them. Have you ever contemplated the, the, the interaction and the thought processes that Mary and Joseph went through? You ever stopped to contemplate that? They weren't even married yet. Wow. How about Abraham and Sarah? How about Ruth and Boaz? Are you with me? So find some. Begin, become a student of godly relationships. Number three, find a couple to mentor you. This is critical. Find somebody that's... I met a, a, a gentleman uh, this week, an uh, older gentleman, and had lunch with him and Coach Trimble. And uh, asked him, I said, uh, how long have you been married? And he says, 63 years. Wow. Is that not incredible? Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? But he, they've done it. They've done it. He said, the one thing I've learned is not to play golf. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you run with that one. But find a couple to mentor you. Find somebody who's successful at this marriage thing and talk to them. Let them, let them lead you. Let them guide you. Fourth, begin praying for that future spouse. Pray for them every day. Pray for God to prepare you to find that person and that you'll find each other. Fifthly, start documenting your love and commitment. Now, I read about this. This has just blew me away. I never thought about this concept. But begin now to write love letters to that person that you don't even know yet. Write it down. If you're a journaler, journal it. You know, write that letter of love to them and what, you, what you're looking for in them and what, you, what, you find, what you're praying that God will lead you to in them. And then put it away. Hang on to that stuff and put it away in a box. And when you get married, hand that to your spouse and let them read what, you've been, what God's been preparing you on that journey, that spiritual journey to get to that day. Here's how, here's how it goes. We are by nature givers. And when we meet someone, we naturally want to give, and it's natural that we want to give physically. I mean, we start out with flowers, we get chocolate, we get a card. Sometimes we want to give them our lives, so we get a ring, we propose, and then we give them our hearts. And long before your marriage, you have a choice. Your honeymoon can simply be another day at the office, business as usual. Or you can give them the gift you have been saving for a long time. So what if you've already given away that awesome gift? This, and there is what I call born-again virginity. And I want you to know that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for every mistake or bad choice that we make in life. Can I get an amen? And there are some I know hearing me today who, for whatever reason, either never were taught the things the way God wants it done, or maybe they just didn't have the discipline to do it the, the, the way that God would want them to do it. And so they just, you know, they, that's gone. What the locusts have eaten away, God can restore instantly. 
And so no matter what you've done, who you are, God loves you. And God has a special way of working in all things to bring about something very, very good. So if things didn't start out right and you feel a little bit embarrassed, it's been very quiet in here today. Would you let this scripture sink in? Found in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Though your, read it with me. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. The worship team comes to help me close. There's no thing that you've done. No thing that you've done. That God is not ready right this moment to forgive. I pray you will allow God to touch you and to bring you back into your life and into His life. And especially in your life, that desire and passion to live for Him and to love and live for His Word. God has a plan and an order, and I hope you will respond to that love, to His tenderness, to His forgiveness. Father, I ask You this morning a very difficult subject, but yet one, Lord, that we need to talk about in church more than we do. God, I'm asking You to move among Your folks here today. I know there's someone in this room that is struggling with maybe not this sin, but a sin. And God, they need a special touch from you and a reassurance from you that everything's going to be all right. And God, though I may have made some choices in life and I haven't done things in the order that you intended, (laughs) Jesus took care of that at Calvary. So God, I pray today that you will begin a restoration and recovery mission in each and every one of us. Hey, God, we'll be honest about where we are and that God, we'll want to get so close to you that we'll feel you, feel you. And Father, you will sweep us away. You'll sweep us away. Because you know that's what you do. As the song that Aaron and I sang earlier, we'll watch you run to us because we've come to you. All all you ask us to do is just take a turn and look and you'll come running because you love us that much. And you're not coming to condemn and judge. You're coming to lift us and to love us and to forgive us. God, if there's somebody that needs that today, would you respond in their life? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this great song. Let the Lord touch your heart today.
Sudden 